Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Good morning, WCF. I believe God's given us a message that I'll go shout it from the rooftops if we have to. Pastor Karen and I really feel that strongly. You know, God is a God who does wonders. There should be a little more happiness about that. I know it's a little early. Some of us might not have had our coffee and it's Sunday. But God is a God of miracles. Amen. Woo-hoo. God is a God of wonders. We're uh, actually concluding our three-part series that we began back in uh, August 16th. This is part three. We've uh, actually spoke on manipulation and intimidation, but today we are going to talk about domination and control. Because at the heart of witchcraft, witchcraft wants to dominate you and it wants to dominate your life. And make no mistake about it, it wants complete control of your life. And furthermore, it'll kill you if you allow it. It will kill you if you allow it. So that's the bad news. The good news is we're going to show you how not to. Well, you guys are looking serious today. Acts 14.3 says that miracles, signs, and wonders actually followed the apostles after they preached the word. I believe we're here today, and I believe we're going to see some signs and wonders. Is there anybody here that needs a sign or a wonder or a miracle? Nobody? Okay. Well, there's... You guys can be a little more exciting about this if you want. All right, that's Amen. better. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> Definition of domination is supremacy, preeminence over another. To exercise mastery or ruling power. Mastery or ruling power even sounds evil, doesn't it? Manipulation says that I'll trick you into doing things my way. Intimidation says that I'm going to scare you into doing it my way. I'm going to bully you into doing it my way. And domination says, I'll make you do it my way. Over the last, each week, every time we do this series, I give a little, short little testimony of something that has to do with my own personal involvement with witchcraft. So I'm going to tell you briefly about a spell that I cast. I only did it once. My girlfriend and I, we were young teens, and we were, we were kind of giggling. We took a piece of wood. We were going to cast a love spell. Took a piece of wood, wrote a name on it, cut our finger, put blood on it, spoke some words over it, and buried it in the ground. Wouldn't you know it, the whole thing backfired. The person who I cast a love spell on, who already did, you know, like me, ended up, they couldn't stand me for years. The same thing happened to her. What these spells are, So that was an act of our will. That is nothing but a perversion of the truth of Jesus Christ. You see, the wood was like a type of the cross. There was blood. There was a name written. And it was buried. But only in Jesus Christ do we have the word, the name, the blood, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, amen, amen. But keep in mind that when we become Christians, and I mean well-meaning Christians, We can pray prayers of witchcraft, which is praying our own will in a situation. 
well, God, I want to be married, I want to be married now, and I want to be married this year, and I want to marry that person. Those are some examples. God, I want that job. I want that person's house. I want this, I want that. Do this in my life, do that in my life. When we exercise our will over another human being, we are operating in witchcraft, dominating another person. Now, Brian and I have um, done some research, Pastor Brian and I have done some research on um, modern-day occult practices. Now, we've listed about 40 here. There are more. Now, some of these, we're just going to mention the name, and some we're going to give you a, just a brief definition in case you don't know what it is. Now, I've been getting a number of questions, though. People have been asking me about crystals. Okay, now a crystal is, it's a rock. Rocks don't feel, they don't see, they don't talk. But when you take that rock and you say, this has supernatural power in my life to do this, to protect me, to, um, uh, what else was it? What was it? Some kind of powers anyways, over, the, over their human being, over their physical self, over their spiritual self. Once you take that inanimate object, you take any object at all and attribute supernatural powers to it, you are now operating in the realm of witchcraft. Okay, that could be an amulet, you're getting into sorcery. Absolutely, remember there are only two kingdoms. In the supernatural you have the kingdom of God and you have the kingdom of the enemy. You're taking an object and saying this has supernatural powers, what kingdom are you in? There's only one choice there, amen. So number one, astral projection, partial or complete separation of soul and soul travel. Number two, astrology. Black mass, celebrated in honor of the devil. Charming or enchanting, channeling, clairvoyant, coven. A coven is a community of witches. Six males, six females, one high priest or priestess. Crystal gazing, divination, enchanter. Number 11, hex. Horoscopes. Hypnosis. Incantation, it's a spell or a charm used in or as a part of a magic ritual. Independence, levitation, it's the rising of physical bodies into the air. It could be table, it could be floating. It's a supernatural power that overcomes gravity. But we have a power far more powerful than that. Okay, that didn't go so well. We have a power far more powerful than that. That was what I was looking for. Magic, medium, an occultist who is indwelt bodily as a dwelling place for spirits. They communicate with dead spirits. Mind-altering drugs, and I could say a lot of things about that. I'm not going to simply because I have to stay on script. <laughs> Numerology, it's an occult practice which interprets numbers for fortune-telling. Ouija board, pendulum, a divining rod or fortune-telling to locate objects unseen. Palmistry, potion, poltergeist, mischievous ghost said to be responsible for strange noises or movement of inanimate objects. We don't need to be afraid of these things, okay? The spirit of God in us is greater than the spirit of any Amen. of this witchcraft. Amen. We do not need to go to bed at night having fear or tremors or have nightmares because of witchcraft. No, we're here today to break the power of that over your life and over your thoughts, no more. 
rebellion, reincarnation, seance, Satanism, worship of or religious allegiance to Satan, satanic churches, and sorcery. Spiritism. It's a belief that mediumistic phenomena is caused by spirits and that departed spirits commune with living people, and again, usually through a medium. Again, it's another form of communicating with the dead. Stubbornness. Tarot cards are actually fortune-telling cards. Telepathy, vampires or demonology, voodoo. Wizard is one who's devoted to black magic or sorcery. A witch is a male or female who uses occultic powers for what they consider good or evil ends. A warlock is a witch who is given to black magic and in part is connected to the devil. Zodiac. In Acts 19, 19 in the New Living, it actually tells us number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. Several million dollars. Doesn't sound like a lot in today's economy. If you put it back into the Greek and you translate it, in the Greek it was 50,000 pieces of silver and it was worth one day's worth, one day, a, a piece of silver was worth one day's work. So if you put one day's work into that equation, you can see that it is very costly. By my calculation, I took 50,000 pieces and I divided it by 365 days. That's how many days are in a year. I came up with 137 years of you working. That's what you would have had to work in order to pay for those books if they were all yours. That's a huge number. That's an astronomical number when it really comes down to it. And what I'm trying to what I'm trying to communicate here is that this is so much bigger than what we let on sometimes. This is so much more a part of our life and it has been for over 2000 years. It's been as it's been as round as, as long as the Old Testament. It has never stopped. And it's very very big. And in Ephesians 6 in uh, 12 and in, in, in the King James, it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in the high places. We wrestle. A wrestling match, I don't know how many of you have ever wrestled. I tried it in high school. I didn't make out too well. I'm here. I'm not on the professional rec wrestling circuit. I didn't go to the Olympics. But wrestling is a very uh, demanding sport. It requires strength requires stamina, requires reaction, and, and it's very, very, very vigorous, it's very vigorous sport, that's what I'm trying to say. And it's a very intense battle, wrestling. And we're in a very intense battle in the spiritual realm. And if we think it's not there, then we're playing right in the devil's hand. I believe that right now there's a spirit of fear that is manifesting. And there are people that are having trouble sitting in their seat. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come against that spirit of fear mm -hmm. and we bind it and we break its power now over the people here and the people listening on live stream. And I just thank you, Father, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and a love and of a sound mind. That means a mind that is courageous and a mind that is strong and then a mind that is well balanced. It is not a mind that is tormented by fear and tormented by fear at night. So I just thank you, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit for releasing them from that bondage now. In Jesus' name, 
spiritual wickedness in high places. The Jezebel spirit is one. Pastor Brian and I have researched this spirit from the teachings of Pastor Rick Shimatero, Jensen Franklin, Derek Prince, Francis Fregapen, Robert Morris, Jimmy Evans, and Jennifer LeClaire, to name a few. Francis Fregapen wrote, when we speak of Jezebel, we are identifying the source in our society of obsessive sensuality, unbridled witchcraft, and hatred for male authority. Now, some of the characteristics we're going to talk about, you may relate to, okay? That could be, you could be under the influence of a Jezebel spirit or under the attack of a Jezebel spirit. But uh, if you know someone that has like all of the characteristics we're going to be talking about, they may have a Jezebel spirit. But very few people have a full-blown Jezebel, okay? So now we're looking at our own lives, right? Not in everyone else's. But that full-blown Jezebel, uh, Robert Morris and Jimmy Evans were saying, like, in their ministries, they only came across about two. And I spoke with another pastor that said in his lifetime, he probably saw about seven. So just a little bit about Jezebel. I'm going to read through these really, really quick, just so you can have understanding about how wicked this spirit is. Now, when I say she, I'm talking about the actual Jezebel who lived and the spirit, okay? Now, it is without gender. It can operate through a man as much as through a woman. Jezebel was the rebellious, manipulative wife of King Ahab. It was actually this spirit operating through Queen Jezebel which caused all but 7,000 Israelites to bow to the false god Baal. Jezebel caused them to forsake the covenant, destroy the sacred altars, and kill the prophets of God which we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. This one spirit was almost totally responsible for corrupting an entire nation. You know, this spirit was around before Jezebel lived, right? It's a spirit. It doesn't have gender, okay? It was around. Now we refer to this thing as the spirit of Jezebel, and we're going to talk about how wicked it is. The spirit of Jezebel operates through insecurity, rejection, pride, arrogance, manipulation, intimidation, and domination and control. Again, the spirit is without gender. It operates through men as often as through women. Jezebel calls herself a prophetess. She seeks attention and worship for herself. Jezebel uses vicious gossip to slander leaders and discredit true prophets of God so she can set herself up in their place. The spirit's goal is to conquer or neutralize the prophet because a discerning leader is its greatest enemy. Jezebel also operates through a legal authority. It's not God's authority. It is not God-ordained authority in the church or in the home. Jezebel usurped her husband Ahab's kingly authority, and she ran the nation. The Jezebel spirit seeks leadership positions in the church, and it will not submit to authority. And as for the book of Revelation, we are not to tolerate this spirit. Jezebel's ultimate goal is to control it is always motivated by its own agenda. Not the agenda that's good for everyone in the church. Jezebel has her own agenda, and she relentlessly pursues it, and she will not repent. Jezebel is prideful, arrogant, rebellious, independent, unteachable, judgmental, and a bold liar. 
Rebellion, the Bible says, is as the sin of witchcraft, and the spirit of Jezebel will attempt to control others through any means possible other than just letting the Holy Spirit work. It is fiercely independent and intensely ambitious for preeminence and control. That is the definition of domination. She wants preeminence and control. She wants to be number one in your life, in the church, wherever she is trying to dominate. Now, it takes an Ahab, like her husband, the king, it takes an Ahab to let a Jezebel spirit operate unchallenged. We need to challenge this in prayer. It needs a submissive person who will allow themselves to be dominated. Jezebel will seek people who she believes are weaker than her to be her followers. Jezebel uses manipulation of flattery to win you over to her domination. She uses guilt to manipulate you so she can get her own way. The spirit seeks to change women into men and men into women. Jezebel uses flirtation and is extremely jealous of anyone who she perceives as a threat. It's noteworthy that the name Jezebel literally translated means without cohabitation. This simply means she refuses to live together or cohabit with anyone. Jezebel will not dwell with anyone unless she can control and dominate the entire relationship. Now when she sees, seems really submissive and kind of servant-like, it's manipulation. She has a hidden agenda. She has a strategic advantage that she's trying to achieve from her heart. She yields to no one. You get any idea there what that spirit is like, how wicked it is? And that's what God says about it. How does Jezebel gain entry into our life? This is one of the ways. Jezebel works through an open door of rejection and woundedness, okay, male or female. Jezebel was rejected by her father, Ethbaal, and she had a dominant mother. Her father gave her in marriage to King Ahab to form a political alliance. She was treated like a piece of property. People who have a Jezebel spirit have deep, unhealed wounds from sources such as rejection, fear, insecurity, and bitterness, and therefore they seek to control everything and everyone in their life. But again, when we come into the church and we get saved, we're done, we want to put away these old ways. But when we don't walk in humility, and we aren't being transformed into the image of Christ, these Jezebel ways can start to sneak back into our life, right? And they start to gain a stronghold. And all of a sudden, we're not praying so much, we're not reading our Bible. We're falling asleep. We're becoming lukewarm. We'll talk about that in a minute. And so an example in the life of a female, okay? I'm just using an example here. Okay, it's also in the life of a man, either. Look for Jezebel to target women who are embittered against men, either through neglect or misuse of authority. This, this spirit operates through women who, because of insecurity, jealousy, or vanity, desire to dominate others, including their husband and family. And if you lived in a home where there was one submissive parent and one dominant parent, what was the result? Was there peace in the home? Not if one dominated the other one. We're talking domination and control of a, another human being. And also, if one of the parents is extremely, extremely rebellious, what are the kids gonna be like? 
There's five things that Jezebel hates. And the first one is repentance. Jezebel absolutely hates repentance. That worship song was talking about how God wants to be the king of our heart. Humility says, I want you to occupy my heart, God. Jezebel says, I don't want you anywhere near God. Through this spirit, Jezebel actually infiltrates the church and mass desire to control true Christian doctrines. It'll twist, it'll turn, it'll deceive. It will hide from true repentance at all costs. Jezebel is quite all right with you becoming, or you coming to church, listening to the message. But what Jezebel doesn't want is you changing your heart or your life. Jezebel is an anti-revival spirit. She doesn't want to see you revive or restore or, or come close to God and have him turn your life around. She wants to keep that domination and control. Repentance is really a change of our heart. It's what we believe, it's what we think, and it's what we allow ourselves to think. In James 1, 21 and 22 in the New Living, it says, So get rid of all filth and all evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word of God has and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. God has planted the word in our hearts. For it has the power to save our souls. The implanted word of God has the power to save our souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're fooling yourselves. In Revelation chapter 2, I believe it's 20, John was actually talking about an end time spirit that will be unleashed over the earth. We'll talk about that in a moment. Its main purpose is to keep us from God's will and God's best for our life. Amen. Number two of the five things that Jezebel hates is humility. Jesus taught that greatness in the kingdom was not measured in what we seem to be, but in childlike honesty of heart. Being honest with God. We can overcome Jezebel with the humility of Christ. Humility is the attitude of Jesus as in Philippians 2, 3 to 8. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude. Here it is. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. It's amazing. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Wow. Being changed into the image of Christ will overcome Jezebel in our life. Number three, Jezebel absolutely hates prayer because intercessional prayer breaks and pries her hands and her hold off our men's, off men's souls, off our souls. As we pray to God, something happens in the spiritual realm. And Jezebel doesn't want you transformed. She doesn't want me transformed. She wants you to be swayed in her ways. And here's the interesting thing. Isaiah said it in Isaiah 56, 7. He says, even then, 
will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. The end time church is going to be a house of prayer. In Matthew 21, 13, in Mark 11, 17, and Luke 19, 30, uh, 46, Jesus said, and said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. The end time church is where we're going. The end time church is going to be a house of prayer, either with you or without you. That's pretty sobering, isn't it? Because Jesus is coming back for a spotless prayer, uh, bride, and I believe prayer is going to be important to it. And I, I believe that we have offered that at noon, from noon to one, and maybe we have to adjust the times, but I don't know. But I don't see a lot of people coming and volunteering for prayer. And if one of her spirits and one of her manifestations is to attack, attack prayer, I have to wonder. Because I'm going to tell you something. WCF is an end-time church, and we will be a spotless bride before Christ Amen. one day. And we're going yes. to stand, and we're going to declare yes. that Jesus Christ is yes. Lord, and our knees are going to bow to the Lordship of Jesus. Amen. And it's going to be through prayer. Because Jezebel is trying to steal it doesn't mean she's going to have her way. In, a, in 1 Kings 19.10, we see that Elijah was crying out to God. God, they've forsaken your covenant. This is the passion that Elijah had. This was a man who prayed. He prayed fervently. They've torn down your altars. The altars is where we come before God in prayer. How many of us have gone to the altar in prayer lately? How often do we go to that altar in prayer? It's sobering, and I know it's sobering. But I believe John's warning us. I believe John's positioning us. And I believe John is releasing us into what the end time church is going to be. And I believe, I believe Pastor RJ and Mary have the vision here. I believe they have a vision. I know I've talked to Pastor RJ about how he feels prayer needs to be a part of this church moving forward. We need to pray. And remember, Jezebel doesn't want you to pray. Amen. She hates prayer. She hates prophets. She hates leaderships and churches. And she wants to tear down anything that God wants to build up. She wants to tear it down. Number four of the five, Jezebel hates the prophets. For the prophets speak out against her. The prophets are her worst enemies. When she wars, it is to stir people against the message of the prophetic church. Against the message of the prophetic church. We are a prophetic church. The more she hates, more than she hates the prophets, she hates the words they speak. Her real enemy is the spoken word of God. I think that's a good thing. Because we speak <laughs> the word of God here. Yeah, we, do. We, do, we do keep the word of God here. Number five, Je Jezebel's ultimate hatred is against God himself. So she hates God. Do you think she's going to hate you? Start speaking the word of God over your situation, over your home, and over your life? It's a good chance, isn't yeah. it? God lavishes his bondservants. According to 1 John 1 9, he says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all wickedness. All wickedness. Jezebel is one of the most wicked, exceedingly wicked spirits on this earth. She hates the fact that God will take the weakest thing like Pastor Karen and I, put us up here, and help you break free of her. She hates that. She wants to dominate and control you. She hates the holiness and purity of hearts that comes from God, surrounding our, uh, ourselves in his presence, 
in his word and in our prayers. Revelations 2.23 says that, he, that in the end time, John says he's, that God, this is actually Jesus, I will kill her children with death. And in, in the second part of it, he says, for he is the one which searches the reins of our hearts. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. Jezebel wants to control your heart. Yes. She wants to control your mind. And she wants to get into your thought life. That's sobering, isn't it? Four effects of being under or attacked by the Jezebel spirit. She's got four demons. She likes hang out with her. Come on. Discouragement, depression, fear, and lust. Discouragement. When you're under the influence of a Jezebel spirit, you're going to want to isolate. You're not going to want to be around people or be in relationships. You want to be, isolation is to be alone with yourself. Whereas solitude is to be alone with God, to be alone in prayer and in meditation, even in some, in some other good things that you could be doing, even going for walks. Isolation is something very different. You are into you. With discouragement comes great exhaustion. You will not have an interest nor the energy to read the Bible. Ah, pray, meditate, no. You go to church on Sunday morning, it's like, oh, that was a really good message. And you go away, you don't change. The spirit of Jezebel comes in, keeps you from developing that character that we need and the ability to turn into Christ. And the thing is, a person under that influence, they don't care if they change. We need to repent of that prayerlessness and not, letting, not allowing the Holy Spirit to do his work within us. Discouragement causes thoughts of quitting and giving up. The spirit of Jezebel often causes a spiritual leader, now hear this, often causes a spiritual leader to flee from his appointed place by character assassination and ruining his reputation. And Jensen Franklin said, Jezebel hates authority. Pray for your leaders because if you don't kill it, if you don't kill that thing in your life and in your church, it's going to attack the pastor. And if it can't get the pastor, it's going to go to the pastor's wife, then the pastor's children. This is not to be in a Christian church. This is not to be. The Bible says we are not to tolerate Jezebel. Don't tolerate her. Kill it. Kill the spirit. Kill it in your life. Kill it in your church. Kill it in your city and in the nation. Remember, now God speaks to us, thank you. God speaks to us by his voice, his word, the counsel of godly people, and by peace. So whose voice are you listening to? You know, you get up in the morning, you start to hear this, this voice starts to bring you down and depressed. Whose voice is that? Does God want you to be upset, down, depressed, complaining about your circumstances in life and complaining about everything? Does God want you to exercise faith? And to begin to see the battle won before it's even beginning. You're seeing faith sees it as already won. Amen? So, or here's another question. Are you being used by Jezebel to gossip and assassinate a leader's character? There's six evils that God truly hates. This is in Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. And a seventh, that's an abomination to him. 
putting others down while considering yourself superior, spreading lies and rumors, hello, gossip, spilling the blood of the innocent, plotting evil in your heart toward another, gloating over doing something that's plainly wrong, spouting lies in false testimony, and stirring up strife between, between friends, these are entirely despic despicable to God, entirely despicable. Number two is depression. Again, we talked about Elijah prayed to die. So thoughts of suicide are evidence of the Jezebel spirit. You just want to give up on God, on church, on your family, on your friends, on your job, on your entire life. If the spirit of Jezebel cannot kill you with suicide, it may attack you with strange and prolonged sicknesses or near fatal accidents. And the Bible says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jezebel will try to steal your peace, joy, and confidence. It will try to kill you with sick, sickness or accidents or try to destroy you with depression and fear. Fear is actually an area that we don't trust God with. We don't trust God, and so fear comes in. I'm not, I'm, I've got to kind of speed through this, but in... Uh, 1 Kings 19, 1 to 3, in verse 3, if you're not familiar with this scripture, Elijah has called down fire. He's literally disgraced the prophets of Baal. He's literally killed 850 false prophets. He was controlling the weather. He prayed that the rain would stop, and he prayed that the rain would start, and God listened to his prayer. So Elijah was a man of prayer. He was a great man of God. And Elijah, uh, Jezebel sent a spirit, or sent a messenger, actually. And Jezebel's sending messengers to us through the airwaves. She's casting spells. She's beaming fear. She's beaming different spirits at us. And we have to understand that. We have to discern that. Thoughts hit our emotions, and it's much like Wi-Fi is in the sanctuary. Those emotional attacks can come against us. She hates prophets. And what did Elijah do? He mocked the prophets. Again, one word from Jezebel could cause him to run. But here's, here's what I wanted you to get. Here's the main point. He had done mighty things for God. He had stood up on the mountain, and he had brought glory and honor to God, and immediately she came to attack him. And any time that you step forward in God, Jezebel's going to try to knock you back. And that's the main point that I want to make about fear. It's not God. It's not God telling you. Because I'll be honest with you, none of us do what we do in our own strength. It's only but by the Spirit of God that lives in us. Because greater, Pastor Karen said, greater is he who lives in me than he who lives in this world. Mm -hmm. And you have mm -hmm. the same Spirit in you. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to move fast here, but... Could you put on the fire, uh, get the fireproof video clip just handy? And, and, and the thing I want to just make, because we're, we're kind of sowing some fear here in ourselves, just in our words, but God said he's going to pour out the spirit of Elijah in the end times. And I'm going to touch on that in a moment. Yeah. You can put that video clip up.
is this so hard? Day 23, watch out for parasites. A parasite is anything that latches onto you or your partner and sucks the life out of your marriage. They're usually in the form of addictions like gambling, drugs, or pornography. They promise pleasure, but grow like a disease and consume more and more of your thoughts, time, and money. They steal away your loyalty and heart from those you love. Marriages rarely survive if parasites are present. If you love your wife, you must destroy any addiction that has your heart. If you don't, it will destroy you. clip and that's exactly the way exactly the way this spirit works because here's John's warning to us it's in Revelation chapter 2 verse 20 and 21 I got to go fast here because we got to wind this down he says I have this against you he says you allow this prophetess Jezebel to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed to idols I don't think he's just talking about food here I really don't and if you break that down, that word is G4202 in the Greek and 4203, uh, and it's porneia. And it really translates today into pornography. That spirit of fornication is a spirit of pornography. It's all over the world. It's all over the earth. And anybody that's ever battled with it knows and understands what I'm talking about. Because I've been there. I've done that. And trust me, I don't want the T-shirt. I don't want it. <laughs> John is warning us approximately 2,000 years ago. This is an antichrist spirit. It brings lies, brings distortion, it brings all kind of stuff we don't want to do. It opens doors to stuff we don't want to do. And by the way, just so you know, it's not just in men anymore. It's hitting women at alarming rates. And I find it interesting that all these spirits work together. Lust, fear, discouragement, depression. And when I look back at the start of COVID-19, what happened? Fear was a tidal wave that swept our land. And right after that, pornographers and pornography sites actually were offering free access to their pornography sites. Do you think they know something about this spirit that we don't? Do you think they know something about their business? Because if we get you to take a little bite, you're going to come back for more because that's what lust does. And once we have two bites, we want four bites. And once we have four bites, we want eight bites. And it's through our land. And it's affecting our marriages. It's affecting our homes. It's affecting our church because we'd sooner point a finger at someone else than look in the mirror and look at our own hearts and see the deception and the ugliness in our own hearts because that's what Jezebel does. Can you stand with me as we just get ready to close this? Pastor Edgy will have you up shortly. Jezebel got married to Ahab and it was, she was given in marriage. She was given in marriage 
And she was married through a ceremony, but she was unmarried in the spirit. And we had a, a husband and a wife that were married, but they weren't married. Because her name says, without cohabitation. Jezebel doesn't know how to go into a family. She doesn't, go no, doesn't know how to go into a home and submit. And it works both ways, because it could be the men that wants to keep playing around. Because I've met a lot of men that are acting like teenagers. In fact, I've met a lot of men that are acting like eight-year-olds. When it boils down to it. Because that's what this spirit does. That's what this spirit does. It gets in. It infiltrates our home. It infiltrates our marriages. And it brings fear. It brings an intense amount of fear. And it brings discouragement. Because it doesn't want us operating and flowing in the gifts that God has. Because I don't know about you, but my Bible tells me that one of the fruits of the spirit is joy. And it's peace. And it's happiness. There's no part of that discouragement or depression, is there? Because my Bible tells me you've been given a spirit of love and joy and a sound mind. Some of us aren't operating in that, and I have to ask why. The Elijah spirit, the Elijah spirit that was going to be poured out, was poured out on Jehu, and this is just a glimpse because right after Jezebel sent that message, Elijah ran. He ran for his life in verse 3, it says. And some of us are running for our lives right now instead of running to God. But I find it interesting that Jehu got on his horse and chariot, and he took off for Jezreel. And he got there, and he looked up at the balcony, and here's Jezreel. She's all painting herself up. She's looking pretty. And she's, she's got this cocky attitude. Oh, did you come to bring peace? And he looked up. Jezebel looked up, and somebody's got to get this. Somebody's got to get this, because he says, who's on my side? And the eunuchs looked around, and they looked at each other, and they threw her off the balcony. And her blood was spattered on the streets, and he trampled her with her horse. And I'm here to ask you, who's on the Lord's side today? Some of you ought to be jumping. Some of you ought to be happy because there's an Elijah spirit coming. And as much as that fornication wants to destroy our home and wants to bring rejection, depression, discouragement, it won't have its way because the Lord is on our side. Are you on his? Amen. Father, I break the power of that rejection. I break the power of that discouragement. I break the power of that spirit that operates through fear, discouragement, and lust in our homes. I'm asking you to release the healing, Lord. Only you can do it. Have our hearts pure before you, Lord. We have to desire that. The Lord is looking for people that are saying, no more, God. I want a pure heart before you. I don't want to operate in this garbage anymore because it's an end time spirit and it comes to steal and kill and destroy. But we sever that assignment yes. off everyone here in the sound of my voice. And I thank you for releasing that healing in the name of Jesus because greater is he that lives in you than he who lives in this world. Amen. But we got to go to him and humbly submit our hearts before him because I believe right now, I believe God's up to miracles. I believe there's signs and wonders following.
Thank you, Pastor Brian and Karen. While you're still standing with me, there's some of you that maybe have never bowed your knee to the name of Jesus and given your life to Christ. Mm. You've never repented of your sin and surrendered to him. When I'm done praying in a minute, I'm going to invite you to come down and talk to me. And if you're on the stream, make sure you get a hold of our moderators online, and they'll pray with you. And we'll invite you to join us in the kingdom of God, serving Jesus. But for us here today, as we take the bread that's in our hands, at the table, the Lord's Supper, where we celebrate our covenant meal with him, what a great place to draw a line in the sand and move away from the works of the flesh. What a great place to renew your covenant with Christ. So, Father, as we have the broken bread in our hands today, I thank you for the cross that liberated us from Satan's grip. Father, I thank you that all authority has been given to Christ, and he's invested his authority into his people, the church. And we, your people, take a stand for you today, God. We humble our hearts before you. We repent of our sin. We repent of the sins of our nation. And Father, together, we look to take our place in the land that you have given us. Lord, today as we lift up prayer, as we lift up holy hands, and as we cast off the works of the flesh, I thank you that you're transforming us from the inside out and you're changing our hearts to serve you with joy and with gladness in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for the cup, the blood of Jesus that liberates us. And I release every spirit from hell of its assignment off the life of the believers now in the name of Jesus. It has to leave our lives, our families, and our church. Father, I thank you that there's freedom in the blood of Jesus. I thank you that there's wholeness, and I thank you that the power of God is released in our lives right now to bring healing, to bring forgiveness, to bring peace in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Have the greatest week of your life. <laughs>